0: And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of God. Well, Good afternoon, good to have you here. My name's Gav, one of the pastors. Merry Christmas to all of you. Great to have 11 and four o'clock together. It's like a family reunion, right? Like we have people from overseas, Athena and Cameron and uh, Susan Stefano, even Bree Walsh, all the way from the Burwood campus. Good to have you here as well, Bree. I feel like, like you know, it's a Christmas miracle, right? We've all come together anyway. Uh, it's good to have you here. a thankfulness service. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone here who serves in a ministry here. I think we, we have quite a high percentage of people who serve week in, week out here from the sound and AV people to the musos, to the city kids teachers, Christ teachers, hands and feet people who serve here so faithfully every single week. I want to say a huge thank you to you. We are blessed by you. We are loved by you the way that you serve and volunteer your time here and we're a body of Christ. who's our gift to serve Him. I want to say a big thank you to MC leaders, who, week in, week out, open their houses up, to lead, who lead, who shepherd the flock, who, uh, uh, who love their small groups. It's a big deal, and it, it takes a lot of energy and effort. I want to say a huge thank you to the MC leaders for the job they do here. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to one person particularly who, runs, uh, who does a lot of stuff, who runs our finances, who puts up with me regularly. That's Geordie Armsworth. Geordie <laughs> is... Uh, he puts up with so many of my dumb questions every week at the finances and just constantly, even when he's just had a child, I'm still bugging him about the finances. And Izzy and Nate are here today. It's our newest member, Nate, is at the back as well. Good to have him here as well. A big thank you to you, Jordy, for all you do here. We are blessed by you and the way that you run the finances here. And I also want to say a big thank you, lastly, to the elders who lead here as well. They, have been, they are a huge blessing in this church who love and serve this church. There are a bunch of people who are humble, who want to love Jesus more and see us love Jesus more as well. A huge thank you to, to Jez and all he does here. Uh, we've been doing ministry together close to, I think, 15 years at least, I think now. We're just like, you know, just together doing ministry and, and have a great time. And uh, I'm, I'm super thankful to him and to God uh, for the way we work together. And a big thank you to the, to the guys who work full-time jobs and lead as well, the, the elders, the Lay guys. That's Chris cam and rob and for the way that they lead and they do so much work behind the scenes that you guys don't see they have full-time jobs and families as well and the work they do here humbly serving leading by serving is such a model to us as a church i want to say a huge thank you to them as well uh, super thankful for all that god is doing here and the people that he has put here uh, one big fan, which, which we're um, thankful Him for but we're going to look at the bible right now and look thick at this idea of thankfulness We believe here the Bible is the word of God, when it's open and taught, God speaks. And He is here today in the presence of His Holy Spirit to speak to us. So I'm going to pray right now that we would listen and hear what He wants to say to us. Let's talk to God together. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank You so much uh, for Your church, Your people, people that You love deeply and have called to Yourself through Your Son. Thank You so much. We are a family united by the blood of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters because of our King. I want to thank you so much for the gifts that you have given each of us to serve one another, to build the church up to maturity. And thank you we have people here who are keen to use their gifts for your glory. Lord, as we open your Bible right now, I want to pray that we would just sit before you and be still and hear your word wash over us. We want to meet with you right now. We want to hear you speak to us. It's what our soul needs to hear and longs for. Father, whether how we're feeling close to you or not, whether we know you or we don't, we want to pray, Lord, that you would address our hearts and minds and that you would, you would speak to us again and we would love you more. We would follow you more, worship you more because of your goodness, because of your love. Help us to see this right now in your word. Thank you so much that we are here together as a family. I want to pray, Lord, that I would speak your truth, and we would see you and celebrate Jesus together today and be thankful. We pray it all in his name. Amen. As I've mentioned before, in the Mork household, we have a bunch of different routines that are set up in the rhythms of our life. We have our shower roster that we need to stick to to make sure who goes in the shower first. Uh, Otherwise, there's fights. Uh, We have a roster of who uh, who gets put to bed in what order and who gets books and all that sort of stuff. Another routine we have is around the dinner table each night where we share how our days were. Uh, This originally was we would sit down for dinner and the question would be asked, this question would be asked, it was, what is the highlight of your day and what is the low light of your day? And uh, so highlights and lowlights. And what I noticed over a period of time, my kids would often want to be, they're keener to share their low lights more than their highlights. They'd often list, I'd say, okay, one low light, they'd give me ten. Like no, no, it's too many. Let's roll that back. Like, and they would give no highlights. This day was been like the days have just been surrounded by low lights, nothing to be thankful for. And I found that really interesting. So what I did was I changed it up, and I said, okay, no more highlights, low lights. Let's just share one thing at dinner time that you are thankful for. Trying to get them to see the positives in their lives. And what was interesting when we did this, my kids would still ask to say to dad, they say to me dad, but I still have low lights. And we say, no, 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 no not now. Just what are, you, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And uh, they, they wanted to focus on the things that were hard for them in their day. And, and, and I don't think that's unique to my kids. I think that we can often focus on things that go wrong or that didn't happen or how bad things were at the cost of being thankful, at the cost of seeing the good things that are happening around us. I remember a bunch of years ago... Um, when, uh, when we, we first started City Light, my wife and I, Katie and the kids, we were living with my parents-in-law. And they lived down in, in East Balmain. They had a lovely house down there on the water that my father built with his own hands. Of course he did. Um, down there, on, um, uh, down in East Balmain. And we had our bedroom, Katie had our bedroom, and it was on the second floor. And if you opened the curtains of that bedroom, you would overlook the water. It was beautiful, like in hundred degrees of the harbour. And it was every morning, open the curtains, see the, see the water views. Before long, I could hear myself complaining, though. Room's too small. Boats are too loud. Tugboat's too noisy. I'm like, I just—I could hear my own voice in my head complaining about where I was living. It can be so easy, kind of, to take good things for granted and focus on what goes wrong or what we don't have. And don't get me wrong, life is hard and can be hard. I think every day we can find reasons to complain. We live in a broken world where life doesn't always operate the way that it's meant to, family and friends wrong you, Uh, good health can elude us, authorities can exploit us and so forth. But also, we have so many reasons to be thankful for. I want to say too, being a thankful person helps us as well. I think when, when we become that person who's complaining and feeling entitled and ripped off and let down, it's not good for our soul. And it's not good for those around us either. I think that we are hardwired to be thankful. It's the way God has made us. how we flourish as human beings. It's good for our soul. And the antidote to complaining and being bitter is to be thankful and give us perspective outside of ourselves. And today we are here to, to be thankful. We are here to be thankful. And I want to show you how we can do that, live, a, live with a posture of thankfulness. And I want to do that... By going back to the very first Christmas and focusing on just one person of the narrative. I wanna focus on just one person, and that person is Zechariah. I wanna show you the Zechariah story on the very first Christmas and see his thankfulness. We're gonna read from Luke 1, uh, chapter, uh, Luke 1, 5 uh, through, and see the follow the narrative through. Now, if you know the story of all at all of Zechariah, he was a man who was, uh, in, uh, in, we read here, was a priest, meaning that he worked in the temple as a religious man, and he would offer sacrifices for uh, the people of Israel. And he, is, he was uh, married to Elizabeth, and they were good people, that the passage says, who loved God and followed him. And we read something in sentence 7 about his family. Have a look in sentence 7. It says, uh, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Whatever reason, we don't really know, but uh, Elizabeth couldn't fall pregnant and now they were both quite old. So having children looked very much off the table for this couple here, for for, for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Then we read in 10 to 17 that one day while Zechariah was going about his job uh, as a priest, an angel appears to him. And looking at sentence 12, uh, we, we see here that this didn't happen very often for Zechariah. This wasn't like, oh, it's another angel. We see in sentence 12, it says this, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, saw the angel, and, he, and, feel, f- uh, and fear fell upon him. And so it's like uh, Zechariah sees this angel and he has taken aback that an angel has come to visit him. Then the angel says this to Zechariah. Have a look at sentences 13 to 17. I'll read it. It says this, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. and And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even even from his mother's womb. And he will turn away, uh, and he will turn many from uh, sorry, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn their hearts of the, of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This child uh, that uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have is John. And we know that if you read the Bible further on, it is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the one who goes ahead of Jesus, uh, preaching, preparing the way for people to turn back to God. He's like the forerunner for Jesus. And the angel says to this old man, hey, you and your wife, even though you're old, you're going to have a baby, even though she hasn't been able to at all. Now, one of if you put yourself in Zechariah's shoes for a minute, you've been praying, it says you've been praying for a while that he would, uh, uh, his wife would fall pregnant. Then finally, when he probably thinks it's not going to happen, an angel appears and says, hey, it's going to happen. Now, I wonder uh, what would your response be. Would it be a celebration and thankfulness, like, oh, wow, how's this happening? Or doubt and uncertain, like, yeah, as if. What's Zechariah's response? Well, he chooses the latter. Have a look at sentences 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, my wife is advanced in years. Zachariah is saying, no chance, not going to happen. I'm old, she's old, she can't have children. This is not going to happen. And he doubts. He doubts. God has sent a messenger, this angel, and said, you're going to have a a baby? And Zechariah's response is, no way. Not going to happen. Maybe he's dreading getting up in the middle of the night and changing nappies. I'm not sure what's going on here. But he's not believing the angel that God has sent. And maybe deep down, Zechariah is bitter. He's angry at God that God hasn't answered his prayer yet. And maybe he doesn't want to let himself believe that this could possibly happen after years of disappointment. Who knows? But he's not believing what, this, what God is saying to this angel. And what's the angel's response to Zechariah's belief? Have a look at sentences 19 and 20. It says this And the angel Gabriel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things have taken place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the angel Gabriel is not messing around here. He comes from God. He says, I stand in God's presence. I'm coming from God to speak this message to you, this good news he says, and you don't believe it because you say you're too old. Because of this, you're going to be silent. God is not happy with this response because nothing is impossible for God. I wonder if you've ever had um, that experience where uh, you've had some really good news you've been really excited, and you share it with someone, and their response is just super underwhelming. It's like super disappointed, like, ah. Oh. Or, you know, you bust, you, you get this news maybe at work or at uni or whatever, and you're just holding it in to tell someone who's going to care, and you get home and you see the person, a good friend or the family member, and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Let's go, let's go and get some food. And you feel like, ah, oh, like that, that just takes you down a notch. I remember recently, I was sitting um, up at Piccolo's with my wife, Katie, And uh, I look to my left, and I see Phil Davis, who's the captain of the GWS AFL team, sitting at the table next to me. Not only that, right? Just hold your horses there for a second. It's exciting, I know, right? Just hold your excitement. There's more to come. He was talking to, having coffee with Simon Kadich, who played cricket for Australia and opened the batting and averaged over 50 runs. They're talking together, they're talking together. Now Cam, I know you're mocking me there, it's fine brother, I appreciate that, but I'm damn excited by that. It was like my two, like two sporting, elite sportsmen chatting together at the one table. The best part was there, was, there was notice in the cafe, it was just Katie and I and I could hear their conversation and they were talking and I'm like, Katie, I can't hear you right now, I'm just gonna listen over here to hear this conversation. And they were talking about how to be a good captain, about how Phil Davis was saying, his team's been horrible, and what does he do with the young people? And I'm like, this is the best. And just listening in, eavesdropping, I was loving. It. I was sick for it. But sitting with Katie, she was not so excited. Not so much. Didn't care much for it at all, which made me quite sad, to be honest. My whole experience was dampened by the whole of her, her lack of excitement. And we had to work through that. And I've forgiven her, but it's left some wounds. <laughs> it's left some wounds, if I'm honest, about that. And, uh, and, but it, it, it affected my experience of it. That's the same. When you share good news with someone and they, and they aren't excited or they doubt, it's super frustrating. And this is what happens here with Zechariah. The angel Gabriel comes and says, From God, I have good news for you. And what does Zechariah do? He doubts it. And because he doubts it, he's made silent and unable to speak. And Zechariah is given nine months to ponder. Nine months, can't hear and can't speak. And he's given time to think. And to think about what had happened. And I wonder, it'd be interesting to talk to Zechariah you know, after this and say, what was that like for you? Those nine months to reflect, to not be able to speak, only to listen. You know, I wonder if in the first few weeks of Zachariah, if, his, uh, if the first few weeks were full of disappointment and regret or anger, thinking, you know, why did God do this to me? What's going on? Why didn't I believe God, maybe? Why did I have to be so skeptical? But over the coming months, as he pondered and thought more, I wonder if, he's, if this doubt turned to joy and an amazement, and the fact that he was having a child. But more than that, as he thought more about it, being a religious man, he would remember that God is on the move and said that God was going to send his king, this messiah, this saviour, and he would get a front row seat to this unfolding in front of him. And I wonder if his doubt turned into praise and thanksgiving as he thought, as he was silent. Now, before, before we go any further in the story, I want to press pause and give you a reflection on something. I don't want to pass over this this may sound weird, but I, I want to encourage you something you to pursue in the new year is, is seeking silence. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. I want to say that our world, our souls are full of noise. We are, we are busy and we are hurried. And I think it's hard to hear It's hard to hear God speaking. It's hard to be present with anyone, let alone God. Jez and I, along with the interns, have been doing a devotion, a a, a a twice-a-day devotion for the last eight weeks. And at the beginning of each devotion, you need to sit still in silence for just two minutes. Two minutes and quieten your soul. And I want to say... If you want to see how busy your heart and mind is, give this a go. It's been so revealing to me. I find it so hard. I don't even get my watch on just to try, so I don't go any longer than two minutes, to try to sit still for two minutes without being distracted, without my thoughts going somewhere else. And being still before I read a devotion of the Bible to let God speak to me to quiet myself. And I found that my soul is so full, and my mind is so full of things that I speak to myself, I didn't even know. Often fear-based things, or worry, or stress, or whatever it is. Psalm 37.7 says, Be still before the Lord, and wait for him patiently. God, the sovereign king, is ruling on the throne, and he's not in a hurry. But often we are. quote from this devotion I want to read this to you that I've been really struck by from a guy called Pete Scazzera it says this it says we choose to enter into awareness of God's presence and rest and to and to rest there in his love that choice is no small feat what makes silence unique for followers of Jesus is that we are silent and still in the context of a relationship with the living God in a posture of attentiveness and surrender we allow him and his will to access the most inner parts of our lives and this is the very core of what it means to be in a loving union with him. Be still and know that I am God. Sitting silently helps you to listen to what he's saying to you. And this is what was forced upon Zechariah. And I want to show you the outcome of what this is like for Zechariah. Have a good sentence. It's 57 to 66 with me. It says this story again it says now the time came for elizabeth zachariah's wife to give birth and she brought a son and the neighbors and relatives heard that the lord had shown her great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would call him uh, zachariah to his father but his mother answered no he should be called john and they said to her uh, none of your relatives is called by this name and they made signs to the father inquiring what, inquiring what he wanted to, to be called and he asked uh, for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, because he spoke, and he spoke blessings to God. And fear came on all the neighbors and all those who uh, talked throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard him of uh, them laid up in their hearts, saying, what, uh, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with them. Nine months, science can't speak, can't hear. Baby comes. The angel revealed uh, to to Zechariah, the name of the child is John. He passed that on, assuming, to Elizabeth. And then as as that happens, he can speak again. And what are the first words out of his mouth? They are praise. They are blessings to God. Praising God. He is thankful. He wasn't angry at being made silent, but rather it gave him time to reflect and being thankful to God. And then we we keep reading in the story, keep going in the story. Zechariah really, it says, filled filled with the Spirit, starts really verbalizing his praise. Have a look at this, 68 to 75. It says, blessed be, says Zechariah speaking, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. He speaks this praise to God, thanking God. Why? Because he has visited, he said. He has redeemed his people. Nine months earlier, Zechariah could not believe that his wife would have a child. Now, filled with the Holy Spirit, he is so confident of God's going to redeem his people, that God is going to visit his people, that he speaks as if it's already happened. He's so confident of that promise, he's saying it already has happened. He's believing the promise of God as if it's as good as done. He trusts God at his word, and he is so thankful. He praises God that he believes that he will raise up a horn of salvation, a horn meaning the sign of strength, of victory, of rescue, he's saying. He praises God from saving them from his enemies. That God will show mercy and deliver his people and create for himself a new people that are his people and they will serve him without fear because they trust him. Zechariah believes God at his word now and he is so thankful to God that he will do this. A number of years ago, Jez and I were involved with... um, a youth ministry over at another church. We had a bunch of teenage guys that we looked after. and We meet them weekly. And one, one Monday afternoon, we said to them, I think we're doing a, a, an afternoon or a study on thankfulness, and we said to them, uh, we want you to go away this week and just list all the things in your life that you are thankful to God for, all the gifts that He has given you. We call it a gift registry, all the things you're thankful to God for. And I remember the, the next week they, these teenage guys came back and they shared these list and list and list of things that they are thankful to God for. I remember I doing it myself as well and sitting there thinking, I'm so thankful to God and there are so many things we can list that, we are, that God is worth, worthy of our praise for. And I think as I did it, it gave me perspective. It reminded me again of how, how good God is, of how generous He is, of how much He has given me and shown me and blessed me with. And this is what Zechariah is doing here. He is thanking and praising God. He is getting perspective. He is understanding how much that he is blessed by God and he is thanking him for it. The great thing is, the very thing that Zechariah is praising God for, we can join in on. As I mentioned, this story is a part of the Christmas narrative. We know that Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, that Jesus is the forerunner for Jesus and Zechariah is praising and thanking God for all that is about to become reality in Jesus. He's praising God for what he doesn't see quite yet will happen. We live on the other side. We've seen what has happened in Jesus. We know what has happened. We know what God has done. We know that God has visited. We know that God has redeemed. That God has come in the flesh that we celebrate at Christmas time. That God did come and he did save. He did rescue his people through Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. That God has shown great mercy by forgiving us for our rebellion. By Jesus coming and dying the death that we deserve, taking away our punishment, our sin. By Jesus coming and defeating our greatest enemy. And God creates for himself a new people, his people, who do not need to fear, who do not not need to tremble, Because we have God as our Father who is on our side, who is for us. And His Son has dealt with all of our sin once and for all. And so we can now live and love and follow Him without fear and be full of thankfulness. Because our greatest need, the greatest thing has been done for us in Christ. We have every reason to be thankful. Just like Zachariah. You know, at Christmas time, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what sort, of, sort of year you've had, no matter what you're looking, looking forward to next year or this year or what's Christmas, Christmas going to be like for you, whatever it is, you have so many reasons to be thankful for. We have been given everything in Jesus. Everything in Him. He has come and He has rescued us. He has freed us from sin and death and slavery. He has lavished love on us in His Son, and He is with us, guiding us, and we have a sure future. He has given us purpose and meaning. We are His forever loved children. And I want to encourage you this Christmas to reflect on the fact that God has come. That is no small thing. He has visited, He has redeemed, and He has rescued us, and we can be thankful no matter what, and this changes everything for us. We can live in a posture of thankfulness because of Christ. It affects how we approach everything in life. Even our death. Just to finish off. Just last week I went to a funeral. The funeral of um, Rebecca Guillaume, Jace's sister. Rebecca was 30 years old, who battled with cancer for a third of her life. Rebecca was a follower of Jesus, and in the face of severe sickness and suffering, she lived a life in light of her Lord. And she was thankful. It's So weird to say this, but I think I came to this funeral feeling very heavy and burdened and overwhelmed with life and I came to this funeral and heard the story of Rebecca and it lifted my soul. I want to read to you to finish up the blog that she wrote and added to during the last six months of her life. This is someone who is thankful and it affected every sphere of her life including how she approached her death. Let me read this to you. It says this. Reflections from hospital, July 2018 and the frequently updated until present. Here's her words. There's been immense suffering, but also immense joy. I have loved and been deeply loved. Since I was a little girl, I've believed in the God of the Bible. It wasn't, wasn't until a few years ago, with my diagnosis, that I became, became a Christian. And in the years since, there's been a lot of Stretching and challenging of my faith on many levels, including intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. However, I'm convinced that there is, there is greater meaning to this life than the things we can see and touch, and that the Christian gospel has allowed me to make sense of this beautiful and heartbreaking world. I believe Jesus' words. I grieve for the things I'll miss out on this life, and I'm frustrated by the time that was wasted. While there is no good age to have cancer, a diagnosis in your early 20s comes with its own particular set of challenges and complexities. The past eight years has been marked by uncertainty, Navig- and navigating through, uh, through that uncertainty was a constant challenge. If I seemed ambivalent about life, deep down I was anything but. I struggled in feeling caught between two places being a well 20 year old something who, would, who should start out, uh, be starting out in life on an upward trajectory. And a sick person with an incurable, life threatening illness. But through this process, I was forced to humbly learn how little control we truly have of our own lives. More recently, the challenge has been how to live with a terminal illness where you don't know how long you have left, or how hard you should keep fighting, or where to draw the line in battling between fighting and letting go. And it's a heavy burden that I and those who love me have to shoulder. Learning to live one day at a time was a challenge I had to face every day. And even more recently, living with the discomfort and disability that have made the simplest, life, uh, simplest things in life hard. And I'm glad for the relief. I'm okay with admitting defeat because while I know that I, I, that I fought as hard as I could, this life is not all there is. My time here is limited, but I do not fear the lack of it because I'm, I'm not defined by how I, how I spent this precious time here on earth or what I achieved, or the amazing experience I had. It doesn't matter that there were so many things that I didn't get to do or experience in this life. I am loved by God, and I have not to worry whether my life was enough, because Christ has made it enough. And I'm going into an eternity that offers more than I could ever imagine on this earth. As I enter my last days, I am at peace. I can't say I'm without fear, but I'm not afraid. I have hope for what lies ahead, redemption, that I am being brought home. She then goes on to quote two quotes from C.S. Lewis from two of his books. I'm going to read them from The Great Divorce. It says this This is Lewis. uh, That is what mortals misunderstood. Misunderstand, sorry. They say of some of their temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that that agony into a glory. And then the last battle from C.S. Lewis says this. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen. After that, was so great and beautiful that I could not write them. And for, and, and for this, this is the end of all the stories, and we, can, and we can mostly truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the last one. This is Rebecca Guillaume who was thankful for her Savior and lived in light of of that reality even when she faced death. We can be thankful. Our King has visited. He has redeemed us. And we have every reason to praise Him in no matter what season we face. Let me pray for us. Our great God, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you that you came, you visited, and you redeemed. You're the God who loves us so much that you sent your son into this world. And at Christmas, we celebrate this. Lord, forgive us when our hearts become cold. We forgive us when we just see this as just another Christmas. Lord, stir in us a posture of thankfulness that our king has come. And he has defeated sin and death and, 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 and hell forever. Lord, we want to pray for our souls that we would be people who are thankful because our greatest need has been met in Jesus. And Father, we want to pray that that truth would just transform our whole life. That we would see your hand in all things we would run to you as a a child runs to their father. For those of us who are feeling guilty and weighed down by this season, who are experiencing the fallenness and brokenness of this world, Lord, be close. Give us a peace that transcends all understanding. Help us to run to you, to seek you, for those who have come apathetic towards you, give us a new passion for you at Christmas. For those who are sort of missing family at Christmas, Lord, we want to pray for, over us that you would see that you, you love us, that you are near, that you are our true Heavenly Father, that eternity is our home and you'll make all the sad things come untrue. Thank you, you're a good God. Thank you for Jesus. We pray it all in his name. Amen.